Welcome to the Hottest Party on TV podcast. I'm your host, music writer and pop culture enthusiast, Jerome Graham. We've got a little something different for you this week. My guest is Lou Stellato. While Lou wasn't a club MTV dancer, he had the best seat in the house while the show was being taped at New York's famed nightclub, The Palladium, due to him being the show's floor producer. We get into what exactly that entailed. And while this episode does focus a lot on Lou's work on Club MTV, because duh, that's what this podcast is about. There's also a lot of broader MTV insights, such as how the DJ segments were put together, how artist interviews worked, and just generally what it was like working at MTV when it really was the epicenter of everything hot and happening in pop culture. As you'll hear, Lou is a great guy with lots of fun stories. So let's get into my chat with Club MTV floor producer, Lou Stellato. <laughs> no, no, it's great. That's just, I'm amazed. Uh, yeah, I did do a little bit of everything. And the reason for that is because I really did start uh, while I was in college. And then, you know, worked my way up. Okay. So, uh, how did you start at MTV? Uh, hmm. So, I was at NYU and I was studying um, uh, drama. And I did it for a year and I realized that was ridiculous. So, I switched to the uh, writing department and I double majored in English literature. Because I wanted to be, I was a writer. I was always a writer as a kid. Anyway, so while I was there, you know, it was the 80s, and I was obsessed with MTV. Everybody was obsessed with MTV. And it was in New York, and it was very exciting at the time. So part of my studies included an internship. You had to do two internships. I forget where, I do remember where my first one was, but for my second one, I thought, I'm going to get an internship at MTV. And I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to explain that to my advisors? Because, you know, it was for the writing department, which was in the art school. And, like, MTV didn't seem to scream writing. So I don't know how I did it, but I did get approval to get an internship at MTV during my final semester uh, of school. And that internship uh, became... um, a job. I was, my internship was with, you're going to love this story because you're a club MTV fan. My internship was with Rich Zolachowski, who was at MTV. And while I was interning for him, uh, he suggested I speak to someone else. I don't want to drop a lot of names, but somebody else and, and ask about any potential jobs since I was finishing school. And as it happened, there was an opening for a production assistant. And thus began uh, began my career at MTV. That's exciting. Okay, so as a production assistant, what were you kind of doing at the time? I'm guessing probably like VJ stuff. Um, he, most of it was VJ stuff. Yes, at the studio, like just the, the VJ stuff that filled the day, uh, that filled the days on MTV, and that was just super exciting to me because I was working with the VJs who I had been sitting home watching and, 
you would sit in the control room as a production assistant on your studio days, and you'd sit in the back row, and you would time the segments, basically, put them in a log, and then they would get sent out with the tapes to the broadcast center. And then you would keep logs. And then the, when you weren't in the studio, you were in the office preparing the scripts, having them delivered, um, lots of Xeroxing, <laughs> so that kind of thing. Okay. And then at what point did Club MTV kind of become your gig? So the way it worked at MTV is that you couldn't really have just one gig because obviously shows had seasons. You taped them and then, then you needed to do something else. So it was never boring. Um, but while you never got like, you were never on one thing permanently. Uh, you would have breaks and be working on something else. So while I was a PA, I moved up from PA to um, stage manager. Um, then I moved up from stage manager to associate producer. Uh, and then I was, a, I was a, an AD for a little bit, like in emergencies, an assistant director. Um, not, I wasn't a terrible one, but it wasn't my strong suit. I was much better with the talent. Um, and so I became, and I wanted to be an associate producer. Um, and I'm not really sure when that all happened because in the midst of all that, I did work on the pilot for remote control as a writer and then, but I didn't go to series with it. And I'm somewhere in there. Club MTV came up. They, it was because of my relationship with Julie. That is how I got involved with Club MTV, uh, because I had been working with her on the floor in the studio for her VJ segments. And we, you know, we connected so uh, professionally. So uh, because of that relationship and her comfort with me and her trust with me, they asked me to uh, be her floor producer uh, for Club MTV, which was very exciting. Who, who would say no to that? Club MTV for the generation born to dance. Weekdays at 3.30 p.m. Eastern, only on MTV. Perfect segue. So something I've been curious about is your role as the floor producer on Club MTV. So like, what exactly did that entail versus like the other producers that were listed in the credits too? Right, right. So I was the writer and producer for Club MTV. I'm sorry, the writer and floor producer for Club MTV. And a brief funny story, a couple of years ago, I was at a convention with Rich. Rich Zelchowski and I are still very good friends. And we were at a convention, and Sandy Korn was there at this convention, oh, who was no a dancer <laughs> on Connor TV. So Rich remembered her. I did not have, uh, I didn't have like relationships with the dancers where I spoke to them much because I was focused on Julie. Um, but we were talking to her, and he introduced me and said, "You might not remember this is Lou." He was the floor producer and writer on Club MTV. <laughs> she looked at me and she said, <laughs> it made me laugh. She said, wait a minute, there were scripts for Club MTV? <laughs> so 
<laughs> I laughed. It was very funny. And I understand why she would ask that. But yes, there were scripts. That's <laughs> but that's so the beauty funny. of Julie. You would never know there were scripts. Wow. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, I, I just uh, interviewed Sandy the other day, too. <laughs> yeah, oh, so okay. very funny. Um, but... Um, so the floor producer basically is I would be glued to Julie and take her through the show. And I'm, I, I heard from Janelle that you spoke to Milt, so I, I'm pretty sure he filled you in on how the show was assembled. It was basically assembled live um, after, like, the tapes were prepared prior to the taping. Um, so the show was shot in real time. And I needed to be with Julie to make sure where we were in the show, what was coming up next, that she was in her spot, what is she saying, what is she asking, that kind of thing. Um, so that, as a floor producer, was just to make sure she was informed, knew what she had to do, knew where we were going in the segment, and, you know, basically that she was having a good time. Any Anybody that works with talent has to make sure they feel safe. And for Julie, because she's carrying the show, and for Julie, her feeling safe was being able to laugh. And that's why we connected, because we laughed so much. Um, and just had a good time. So it was a good time. Oh, nice. Yeah, it, it sounds like you had, like, a really crucial role there as far as, like, like you mentioned, she's kind of the carrying the show. She's kind of the life force behind the show really right yeah she um she was she was the face of club mtv of course and she uh, brought a lot of energy and like i said there were scripts but i knew how to write for julie and i knew how she would make any kind of like copy her own um so and that was very important so um the, the trick was to keep it fun. I mean, it was a fun show. And because unlike most productions where there's a lot of stopping and starting and, you know, we did have mistakes where we had to redo things or do pickup shots, of course. But for the most part, it felt like even there at Palladium, you were in the middle of a live show because you kind of were. So you had to keep that energy up. And it was so easy with Julie. And... To, and it, it was also, even when she was having a bad day, she could turn it on, which was also really important and amazing uh, for her to be able to do that. Absolutely. Um, so can you walk me through what a typical day was for you, like at, at the Palladium? At Palladium? Uh, at Palladium, because uh, I did have pre-production work as well, obviously... <laughs> I'm laughing when I say this, but it was work writing the scripts for 15 shows. Um, and then, you know, we shot in two days, seven shows and eight shows or eight shows and seven shows. I forget. Um, but after that was done, that was kind of the hard part. Uh, but the rest of it was basically making sure, sticking with Julie the whole day, checking in with Monty. How much time does she need in hair and makeup? Going into the, going into her dressing room, going over the show with her. Who's the guest? Uh, what are we talking about with them? What song are they performing? And then bringing her out on the floor because 
you know, the show obviously is on a schedule. I had headsets on. People are telling me we need you on the floor in 10 minutes, you know, and making sure like everybody working with Julie was aware I need to take her soon. So let's go. <laughs> so, and then once we were out on the floor and tape started rolling, you know, it took a half hour uh, or less to shoot a show. And, and then we'd roll right into the next one. So that kind of like, kind of filling her in on each show would happen in between the shows. We'd have breaks, obviously. We didn't actually shape, uh, take, tape the seven shows without a break. But, um, but yeah, that was basically what my day was like. It was a long, it was a long day, but a fun day. Oh, good. good. Um, <laughs> so being that your role was so, um, how would I put it? Um, so important. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'd say that, but thank you. Well, it sounds like it was important. Um, what was it like for you when you had moments where things maybe went a little bit off the rails? So I'm thinking of like the the dead milkmen or the chili peppers or things like that. Yeah. Um, I don't, uh, to be honest with you, I don't remember the chili peppers uh, taping, uh, but I definitely remember dead milkmen. I mean, it was, it was a bummer. It was really, it was a bummer for Julie. I felt really bad for her. It was a case of the wrong band on the wrong show. I don't know how that booking happened. And I understand, you know, there are, a punk rock band, but what is a punk rock band doing on Club MTV? Um, and they had an image that they wanted to sort of portray. And unfortunately, that image involved uh, making Julie very uncomfortable. But if you watch, um, if you watch it, I think it's on YouTube, the performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, but um, she really holds it together because Honestly, she was very, very upset, and I completely understand why. She was blindsided. She didn't know they were going to do that. And who wants to be handcuffed? This is her show. It's, you know, her face on the show, and she's being made to feel sort of powerless. She doesn't know what's going on. She, and neither did we. Um, so it was a little bit of a hijack. And, and when we went to break, I think we had to do a pickup uh, for that. When we went to break, she was very upset. And and I understood that. And that's where my job uh, was important. And I say job, but it was also like, I don't want to be corny, but she was my friend and I felt terrible. So she was backstage, she was very upset and I needed to get her to be okay because I cared, but also because we had to keep taping. And not only keep taping, but we had to we had to tape with them again because she had to say goodbye. She had to do a goodbye segment with them, which she did. And if I think that's on YouTube as well. And if you watch it, you wouldn't know how you really wouldn't know how deeply obsessed she was by what happened, and and rightly so. Well, guys, no handcuffs this time, right? No handcuffs at all. Oh. You've got the handcuff. Thanks a lot for stopping by. So, are you on tour, guys? Are you on tour? Yes, we are. 
We're, on, we're in Washington right now. Well, I tell you, well, you know, you're right here right now, but listen, if there's anything that I want to say, go and see these guys live, because it's a whole lot of fun, okay? <laughs> Bring the napalm. Oh, I can't wait for that one. Why don't we hang around a little while after this show? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I think moments like that kind of really speak to... I know you kind of laughed when I said that your job was important, but kind of really speak to how crucial your presence was on the show, so. Yeah, I mean, you would ask me before the difference between me and the other producers. I mean, Rich and then later Jennifer Wagg, who, who took over as producer for the last seasons, uh, she, they would... They would have no contact uh, in with the talent. They were in the truck outside on the street, outside Palladium, because their job was to oversee the entire production, how it was going technically. Uh, so they were with a director for the whole show. Um, it was only myself and Julie's team, wardrobe, hair, makeup, that were sort of her... I don't want to say protectors. There was nothing to protect her from, but we were her... We were her team, and we were with her for the whole thing. Okay, that makes sense. Um, how did you personally feel the show changed as it sort of grew and evolved in popularity over the years? Uh, it's really hard for me to say because I, I had no real um, awareness of how popular the show was or unpopular the show may be. For me, it was it was my job and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um, I was excited to see what the music department would deliver for the shows, excited to see who the talent department booked for the shows. It was a lot of people, sometimes it was people I'd never even heard of. Um, so I don't know if I was aware that the popularity changed. It just always felt <laughs> popular to me because I love the music. I had a variety. I have a very mixed taste in music, so I could watch Headbangers Ball and love love that music, and I also love Club MTV. Whereas a lot of people are very kind of focused and anti this, anti that. I kind of found things about many genres that I love. So I had I was a shameless lover of dance music. And still am. Um, I may not be aware of people's names or artists' names, but I still love all kinds of music. So for me, the show was always popular, and I was very disappointed uh, and sad when it when it came to an end. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Um, were you also on the show when they would do like the spring break tapings and things like that? So it's funny because I was talking about that recently and I think I was at the spring bed taping <laughs> but I'm not sure I because the thing is you would go to spring break and uh, you wouldn't have just one job you'd have to like you know the, the club MTV taping would be on one day and then on another day you'd be shooting something else at spring break but I have a feeling I if I was at the Club MTV spring break, uh, actually, I don't think I was. I think I don't think I went to spring break the year that Club MTV or the years that Club MTV uh, went. I only went to one spring break, and I think it was the second one. 
Um, so yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Um, I could be wrong though, because I had these, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jerome. I, I, I had these very vivid memories of being on the beach with Stacy, who was a production assistant on club MTV. And I remember her standing next to me on the beach telling me like, you're really burned. You've got to put, you've got to put sunscreen on. And I was like, no, 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 we, we've got to go. We've got to go. And that, felt like a club MTV moment. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> we did go on location. We did go on location to shoot the best of the year. Uh, I think it was a club Met. That was a lot of fun with Julie. Um, it was like end of the year, like the top, I think it was the top 25 because it was five videos per show club MTV hits. So we shot a week's worth of club MTV segments. They weren't like dance segments. It was just basically like the videos, but it was club MTV themed. And that was a Julie in, uh, I think it was Turks and Caicos. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> that must that have was been fun. Because <laughs> we had to, I'm, I'm, I'm going on. I'm sorry. You can edit this out. Um, <laughs> we didn't have dancers. It was just Julie. And, um, we would, we came up with this idea where we dressed one of the guys on the crew who was like this big, burly, hairy guy in Julie's outfit. And then we would have Julie, you know, pretend that she was going to do some ridiculous stunt on rollerblades or something. And then this guy would do it. And then in the edit, we would do like an obvious cut where Julie would look like she had done the stunt. It was really cheesy, but back then it was hilarious and it wasn't intended to look real. It was intended to look goofy, and it did. But it was fun, and she was game for it. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Um, who were some of your, or the favorite artists that you got to see come through while you were working on the show? Oh. <laughs> uh, Jerome, you're asking me, who do I remember? <laughs> I have no favorites. I love them all. Um, so there's that. But who do I remember? I remember uh, Paula. I remember her coming in. I think she did knock out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember, oh God, I remember Quincy Jones coming in. Uh, of course, I remember the dead milkman. I remember so many people by face whose names escape me. Um, I was talking to Janelle about this the other day. I thought of it because I read some sad news about one of the members, but I remembered the Disney band, the party was in the last season and they were really sweet. They came in and they did, uh, they did a cover of in my dreams. I think that was a song. It was a song they recorded. I forget what heavy metal band. Oh, Dawkins. Mm -hmm. Dawkins. Yes. Um, so they came in and performed their version of that, which was the dance version. And, um, oh, I remember Pebbles. I remember Pebbles was wearing a dress that was too big for her. And so they had to use like these giant metal clips behind her to, to like cinch it. And so the, the cameraman had to be sure not to shoot her um, from a side view or behind her, obviously. Uh, I remember Rick Astley, who was the sweetest guy. Um, uh, oh, I remember so many. <laughs> a lot of the bands, and I know maybe said this to you, but a lot of the bands sometimes were were members of the MTV family who were just sort of 
playing band members. Like my friend Michelle was a backup singer uh, for Rick Astley. I forget what song he performed. But her and another MTV employee, Debbie Bennett, and my friend Michelle Burke were the backup singers in that performance. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're like rehearsed in the office and it was a great time to be at MTV. It was so much fun. Because you could, you really have the license to sort of the freedom to do whatever you, not whatever you wanted, but anything you could think of to make the show better. Uh, and people would let you. They'd say, go ahead, try it. Try it. In 91, did you feel like the show was ever losing steam at all? Um, I don't think that anyone that worked on the show felt like the show was losing steam. If, if, you know, we didn't know when we taped our last season that it was our last season. We, we knew there were thoughts about it being the last season, but it's not like, um, as far as I remember, it's not like we went in knowing like, this is going to be your last set. No, I think any of that went on behind the scenes, you know, in meetings that, you know, we had no, we were not privy to, like, thoughts about ratings, thoughts about where music was going, as I mentioned to Janelle, like, grunge was very popular, where does music fit in, where does dance music fit in uh, with where music is going now, Uh, are we going to look, and I'm imagining this, are we going to look like behind the times by by continuing Club MTV. So I'm not really sure. Uh, but anybody that worked on the show uh, didn't feel like the show was losing steam. It, dance music may have become less popular in terms of what was on like the radio, but it didn't stop existing after grunge came in. There was still dance music. It's just you had to go and find it. Um so yeah, I hope that answers your question. It never felt like the show was getting old for any of us that worked on it. Okay. And how did you find out that the show had sort of come to an end after that set of tapings? Um, there wasn't a particular moment. I think, you know, I don't, and I don't remember if it was um, immediately after the taping because what would happen is we would tape for two days and then they would start airing very soon after they would, the shows would have to go into an edit to do any fixes, um, to do any audio sweetening or anything like that. And then they would start airing like within days of the taping. Also, as I was telling Janelle, because of the music, the music was programmed to be current. So we didn't, we couldn't hold on to them. We needed to get them in rotation. And, um, I don't think it was right after that. I think maybe, I could be wrong, I think maybe as we approached what would have been the next taping, we were just told, like, it's done. Oh, that's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And, you know, it is disappointing. But I will say that in terms of, like, MTV itself, it wasn't unusual. We missed it. We, of course, we definitely missed it. But you were always on to the next thing, um, so you didn't have time. It wasn't like the only thing you worked on, because Club MTV for me was a couple of, was a few weeks of work between the pre-production and the taping, and then I was just the rest of the year or the rest of the month I was just working on other things. 
So it was a bummer, but we, we didn't have the, we didn't have the luxury of sort of sitting around and being sad about it. Right. It, it definitely seemed like the pace at MTV was kind of always like a breakneck sort of pace, like always on to the next thing. So I have to ask, I have to ask you a question and you, you would know this better than me. How many seasons were there of Club MTV? Oh God. Um, you might not know that because it's, you see them in terms of like shows. Right. So hmm. I don't know either. I don't, I, don't, I don't know where I would research that. How many actual tapings we did. I would have to find out. That's a good question. Okay. Hmm. I'll look into that and let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let me know. Okay. Um, so what other uh, shows were you kind of working on around that time at MTV? Um, I don't know about around that time, but among like the things, like I said, I worked on the pilot for remote control. I was always focused, you know, anybody that worked, uh, with the VJs, uh, always had to do the, um, sort of the meat and potatoes of the channel, which were the VJ segments. Those were daily. Uh, those were taped three times a week, I think. Um, and that was like something you, you spent a lot of time on. There was a lot of research, a lot of writing. I was also the king for many years of the top 20 video countdown. That was my, my show and I loved it and I was very uh, proud of it. I, not because it was anything great, but it just, it was, I was just very into it. Last week, Paula Abdul kept her promise of a new day. Can she do it again? Or can Marky Mark come on, come on his way to the top with good vibrations? Or is I Adore Mia Moore going to be the second number one for Color Me Bad? The MTV Top 20 Video Countdown. I wrote the script, and then I went to the studio, and I worked with the talent every week. And this was before there was sort of internet. There wasn't any internet. So my desk was a pile of billboards and Rolling Stones and press releases with, you know, post-its of like information and you can't use this information because you used it last week. And, um, and also sort of keeping track of movement, like up three spots this week to number five. Uh, so yeah, the, the top 20 countdown was, uh, a big part of my life at MTV, uh, as well as the VJ segments. It was always exciting when a VJ segment had a walk-on. That was basically an interview that would happen during their shift, uh, because then you got to write an interview. Um, so I would do those as well. Um, there were also guest VJs. I would do those as well. Um, sometimes there were interviews that were just taped for use, like maybe the news department would use them or we would use them. Like there were two separate, there was the studio team and there was the news team. Obviously the news team was dealing with the news. Um, and the VJ segments were dealing with sort of day to day stuff. Uh, but a guest might come in, there might not be a VJ allow, uh, around or available. So we would be told to shoot an interview, uh, with that, guests that came in that could be later cut up into pieces 
and used in BJ segments for, I remember the first, I think the first interview I got to do, meaning write and then also be the interviewer, not on camera, was Belinda Carlisle. And so I was nervous because I had never done, uh, I had never done a talent interview. I'd written them before, but I'd never done one before. Um, and you would just ask the questions, you'd take the tapes, you'd go back to the office, and you would uh, log all the questions so that the next time a VJ was doing a segment leading into a, a, a Belinda Carlisle video, they could say, when Belinda stopped by recently, we asked her blah, blah, blah. And then we'd show that piece of the interview and then go right into the video. Oh, wow. Okay. That's pretty fascinating. So, and then they would just use that basically for, for any BJ segments or even through like a MTV news or things like that. I, I don't want to step, I, I don't want to say that news would use it. They probably had their own, they definitely had their own team and their own interviews. Uh, so I think it would have to be an emergency if someone on the news team said, do you guys have any footage uh, from the Belinda Carlisle? I'm just using her as an example. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> Um, but mostly it was for like for studio, uh, the VJ's daily use. So any of our, any of the floor producers. So when, so for club MTV, I was called a floor producer, but for MTV in general, I was the associate producer. It's sort of the same thing. It's, I don't really dwell on title stuff, but, um, so for any of us working, I might go to another producer and say, Hey, can I look at your interview for, this particular artist, because I'm throwing to the video a couple of times with with Carolyn or with Julie, and I need I, I have nothing to say about them, and I'd like to use some tape. So we all shared that stuff among ourselves. Okay, well, that's really interesting. All right, so uh, what did you go on to do post MTV? Nothing. I've just been crying at home ever since. <laughs> um well i stayed at mtv for a really long time a really long time um and then after that was over i actually went into advertising uh where i focused on on writing uh and i did that for um seven or eight years. And uh, these days I'm working as a, uh, a copywriter, a marketing copywriter. So, you know, I'm lucky enough to have been able to stay focused on, on the writing, which is something that I, I enjoy, but I, you know, I, I do miss, <laughs> I do miss all that stuff we got to do. I'm sure. I'm sure. Lots of uh, interviews and always something going on. I'm sure at MTV. Well, you know, the, the uh, I'm sorry, I sound like an old fart, but the, the, the great thing about MTV, uh, and I, I said this to Janelle, is that, um, yes, it feels like a million years ago, and it was a million years ago, but it could never happen again like that. So we were really lucky in that sense, because that kind of stuff can never happen. I would, I would be in the office. I distinctly remember this memory. I was in the office. I was a production assistant. And everybody knew that at that time I was like obsessed with the new album from 10,000 Maniacs. Okay. 
so uh, the talent department got a call that Natalie Merchant was in town and could she come in and do an interview so you guys would have like an interview with her if you needed it. And so they said yes, but then that means like, well, who's going to do the interview and who's going to do the research, whatever. So the VJ available was at the studio was going to do it, but they didn't have any information. So I'm just sitting at my desk at the office and I get a call and they're like, Natalie Merchant's coming in. We, we gotta, we gotta do an interview with her. Can you write it in like the next couple of hours? And you you know, you, you fearlessly said, of course, absolutely. I, I'm really excited. And you didn't even question it. That would never happen today. They'd have to go and find like a staff writer and they'd have to declare a state of emergency or whatever it is. It would have to go through a million channels and a million approvals. But that, and maybe that's a good thing, but it went very well. Um, and I remember that was sort of like a turning point for me career-wise because the VJ did the interview and then called me from the studio and said, I just want you to know, it was Carolyn Heldman. I just want you to know that Natalie was like really happy and said, you asked a, re- a lot of really great questions. Um, and that was sort of the beginning for me saying, okay, now I know what I want, what I want to do here. Um, so yeah, those kind of opportunities happen all the time at MTV. You get to do stuff because they needed you to do it. It wasn't like you had to go through a lot of channels and ask permission and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, sorry, that was a long with it. Uh, <laughs> no, that was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it, it's a unique uh, time in the media. I, it was. I agree. It yeah. couldn't happen again. So No, no. All right. Just a couple of questions to wrap things up. Um, MTV's kind of been leaning on nostalgia with some of their Paramount Plus content, like their different real world homecoming shows and having older cast members from the challenge come back and compete against each other again. Do you Mm -hmm. think a club MTV reunion docu style sort of show would work? Uh, so what would be the format? Hmm. Well, I I was thinking maybe kind of round up the sort of core group of dancers, maybe Julie as well, and get everyone together and maybe tape an episode of the show as they are now. (laughs) Yeah. But you mean, do you mean an actual dance show? Yeah. Or just like a a kind of reunion with reminiscences of the show? Oh, probably a bit of both. Like you would sort of capture getting everyone together and them sort of telling all their stories. But yeah, I don't see why they couldn't actually get them dancing. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's risky, Jerome. I do, but I would absolutely tune in. I would, I don't know if the world would (laughs) tune into a show where, you know, the core dancers and Julie and the people behind the scenes got together and, you know, they were able to like show uh, moments from the show and then talk about what happened like behind the scenes even if it was something silly like 
you know, an outfit that Julie was wearing that she has a story about or, you know, one of the dancers saying, saying like, I remember this day and here's what happened with this specific artist that came in because sometimes they would interact with the performers. Um, I think that would be a lot of fun. I would definitely uh, watch that. Okay. Um, then something I've noticed personally Whenever MTV tells its own story or other outlets cover the history of MTV, I know there was that doc recently, I Want My MTV, that aired last year. Um, They always kind of gloss over or sort of totally leave out that 87 to 92 period. Why do you think that is? First of all, Jerome, I have to say, good on you for noticing that kind of stuff. <laughs> because I can tell you're a true Club MTV fan. And I love that. Um, I have no idea. I actually haven't seen that documentary, and I, I need to. Um, I think I'm, if I'm going to guess, I'm going to say because the music from that time, uh, probably in their eyes or in the world's eyes is full of one hit wonders. Uh, not a lot of lasting, uh, musical legacy in terms of like, you know, a U2 or David Bowie or a Pearl Jam, you know, artists that are still around. It doesn't make the music from that time, uh, less entertaining or less important for the time, but they probably would think that people might stare at it quizzically like, we don't want to hear about this band. They're, they're not, this music is not around anymore kind of thing. That's my guess. I really don't know uh, why that is. Um, but, you know, if you do, you do a documentary about a classic rock artist, it's not going to feel as old, I guess, if you're doing it about 80s club music, then you feel really like time warped. And, you know, MTV's very reliant at the time, not now, I don't really, I'm not really that aware of MTV right now, but um, for for whatever, you know, for, it's very existence depended on it not being nostalgic, not feeling old. It was for the kids. So we couldn't look back too much. We had to always be current and looking forward. Um, kind of sucks in, in the sense of like looking backwards, but it was kind of like the sort of MO of MTV. No, no, that makes a ton of sense. I, can't remember who it was, but I, I saw an interview where someone was talking about MTV turning 40 and why there was little fanfare from the network about that. And they said, well, MTV's kind of always been perpetually 14. So yeah. they kind of really can't focus too much on on their past. So that makes sense. Right. You can't, if you're, if you're here for the kids, you can't remind them that you're a senior citizen uh, because, you know, and the other great thing uh, and the obvious thing about the time that we were all there during club and beyond club is that there weren't a lot of options at the time. There weren't, it, it was just MTV. And so you really felt like the center of 
youth culture at the time. And it was. It was very exciting. So when you asked me about if I had a perception of Club MTV sort of like losing its steam, MTV just felt so powerful at the time. And we felt so um, not uh, in a bad way, but we felt so excited to be there because we felt like we were in the eye of a storm of, of pop culture. There weren't a bunch of cable channels. There wasn't YouTube. The only place you could see see this music was on MTV. So it was very intoxicating to be there. Um, and uh, I think part of that was like feeling relevant and new and young all the time. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. And they've, they've definitely continued to do that, even if... Uh people may have objections to their current content, but it's, it's not for them really. It's, it's for the kids. So what is on MTV now? Do you, do you watch it? Um, I don't, um, they have this show, (laughs) this show that they air constantly called ridiculousness. And. Oh, I think I know about that show. that's a really old show, isn't it? Um, they still make new episodes. It's it's basically America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh, okay. And they air that for like eight hours out of the day, so. Wow, and who's the host of that? Ooh, I can't remember his name. I think he used to be like a BMX biker or a skateboarder or something. So I think I know who you're talking about. And part of my career at MTV, like the last thing I did at MTV was launch MTV2. Uh, and we, I think we had a show with this guy while I was still at MTV. It was him and like his best friend who was this big African-American guy. And I think that that's the guy who hosts Ridiculous. Yes, that's I him. Think. I just can't remember his name. <laughs> I mean, that's okay, but it's like, that's amazing, because that's what they, um, yeah, I mean, it changed. There's, there, there are no more music. I mean, the, the reason MTV2 kind of was born was because they didn't show videos anymore on MTV. They had to show programming. They had to show, you know, sponsorable programming to make money. And, um, and then that's what happened to MTV2 as well, so. Yeah, it's, Unfortunate, but necessary. So, blame YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so my last question: I usually ask the dancers what their favorite song to dance to on Club MTV was. So instead, I'll ask you: What song for you represents Club MTV the most? Uh. I, I can't, I know this is going to sound like a cop-out, but I, I have to say, I still have it in my iTunes, the Club MTV theme. Oh, no one said that yet. Okay. I just need to hear that first clap, and I'm there. I'm in the Palladium. Wow. That's a great choice. I'm, I'm so surprised no one has mentioned that yet. Okay. <laughs> I love the credits. I loved the the 
the opening credits, even even in the last season, I just thought they looked fantastic, and I just love the Club MTV theme. I don't care what anyone says. It's an awesome theme. And that was my chat with producer extraordinaire, Lou Stilato. Uh He was a blast and is welcome back on the podcast anytime he wants. And many thanks to Club MTV dancer Janelle for making that happen. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast, it's at The Hottest Party on TV on Instagram, and that'll be in the show notes. Um, Also, be sure to subscribe to the Club MTV Fan Page YouTube channel, where we finally hit 16,000 subscribers. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, Next week on the podcast, I'll be chatting with someone who has been a huge influence on me, actually. Music critic and celebrity interviewer, Craig Seymour who it turns out was a Club MTV dancer in 1987. So that's sure to be a lot of fun. But until then, let's close out this week's episode with Lou's pick for the song that he feels represents Club MTV the most. The Club MTV theme. <laughs>